0: Hey you, welcome to episode 194 of Leakly Clearless. Thank you so much for rocking with this podcast. If this is your first time, welcome to the family. Make sure you're here every single Monday. That's when audio episodes go out. And we have a video and tour series as well. Three seasons of the video series. And the tour series, you will watch us go across Kenya, to Dubai twice, to Paris, to Zimbabwe. And you can watch all of this on legallycluelessafrica.com or just going to our YouTube channel. A link to that is in the show notes. All right, I'm really excited for this episode because one, I have been talking about giving you the lost episode for a while and I've been working on it for a while as well. And the second reason is I get to share with you two amazing Kenyan 12-year-olds who were best friends that I met a couple of maybe almost like a month and a half ago in Thika, who completely just warmed my heart. Bianca and Bella, listen to this.
1: I was given a book that was written albino. I was not able to read it, but now when I found it in my parents' bedroom, I was able to read it when I was class five. That's where I knew that I am an, an albino, I look different. I sometimes I I sat down and ask myself some questions. I said to myself, I'm beautiful and wonderfully made by God, mm-hmm. but I'm different with others, but not in in
2: mind, only skin. Me, I never I I never feel that, uh, sad. But at the past, I was feeling sad because I was I was asking myself. Why why am I blind and others are sighted, but when I came in this school and found that others are like me, now I'm feeling confident and I have self-esteem. The day I came to this school, the first friend I met was Bianca. She helped me to know the surroundings of this area.
0: You will get to meet them a little later in this episode. So, yep, stick around for that. However, I hope you are doing great. We're about to jump into December. Normally, it's my favorite time of year, but... This year is gonna be a little bit different and I'm a bit anxious, but I'm also excited. And I'll tell you why in another episode. But yeah, I can't believe it's almost December. Time has really flown. There was this one project, poetry projects, that last year, December, I was like, oh, I'm gonna launch it next year, December. And here we are. <laughs> And I've not even finished it, my goodness. But you know what, I'm extending grace to myself because it's also been quite a hectic year. But I hope you're doing great. Song of the Week that I want you to check out is a really awesome song by Parcels. They're my new current favorite band. They're an indie group who you could find to be a bit other, but their music is so wonderful and I liked this song before I read the lyrics. And when I read the lyrics, I was like, it's so comforting and so compassionate and sweet. And if you're going through a hard time, it is like a hug (laughs) that you desperately need. So the name of the song is Coming Back. I've put a link to it in the show notes. But in case you're listening to this on a platform that doesn't give you show notes, just head over to whatever streaming app you use for music and such parcels. So just like Parcells, P-A-R-C-E-L-S. And the name of the song is Coming Back. What's really dope about them is they never have a space in the names of their songs. So Coming Back is one word. Yeah, I don't know why. It's cool. The song is awesome. Check it out. Okay, so let's jump into Loss. Now, I've been working on getting you this episode for a while. I think some of the most important work I've done this year with my therapist is working on boundaries. And I did the boundary episode a couple of episodes ago. And another important thing we've done is processing loss. And I remember during a session with my therapist, she said, let's go through the losses that, you know, you've experienced in life, And of course, the first thing I talked about was losing my mom. And you know, we chambuad it. What's the English word for chambuad? We unpacked. <laughs> we unpacked this loss. You know, me being very close to my mom. Some of the things we found is my identity was so wrapped up in hers. Initially, I didn't see this as a problem. But the more we dug through it, we realized that in my mom dying, it meant a huge chunk of my identity died alongside her. And I kind of had to... Reconstruct who I am, and I I hadn't done that work for ten years, and it's only this year that I was like, "Ooh, who am I again?" That that was you know one of the things going through my losses that I think I gained, and it it took us a couple of sessions to go through that specific loss, just because it was so instrumental in my life, and we would interrogate my feelings. I remember it ending well that chapter of of loss ending with my therapist asking me if my mom was alive right now and in front of me, what would I tell her? It was interesting that if she'd asked me that question before we dug through the loss, my answer would be completely different. And your your message to the loss, if it's a person or a thing, always changes after you've processed the loss. And And that was what happened to me. And I thought we were done with this loss thing. And my therapist just kept saying, no, let's see what other losses you experienced. A part of me was getting quite irritated because I'm like, I'm paying for these sessions. (laughs) I'm telling you, miss, I'm done with the losses. This is the only loss that matters. But something that came out while speaking about my mom, I shared how I'd hoped certain people would have behaved differently when she died. So I had this idea of who they were then my mom died, and they behaved in a contrary manner. In that moment, if you've. Ugh, funerals are hectic, and grief is hectic. There's so many moving parts in a funeral that you don't have time to focus on. Person A did this, but I always thought they would do that. And they act differently from who you thought they are. Sometimes you feel a bit betrayed or in some instances, I felt like people should have been there for me a bit more, but they weren't. And because of all the noise and the activity around funerals and grief, I didn't have time to sit in those feelings. I dismissed them. But during this period of us (laughs) chamboying, unpacking my loss, my therapist pointed out that that's a loss. There was a loss there. There was a loss of who I thought they were. There was a loss of support systems I thought I had and it turned out I didn't, you know? And by the way, some of these particular losses of people behaving one way when I thought they would behave in another, some were clear to me in the moment when the funeral was happening and I dismissed them because I just didn't have the bandwidth. But some, I'm only just realizing... 10 years later and going back like, hang on. I would have hoped for you to do A, but she did B. And so that was a loss. And I, I hadn't processed it. I would smile with people and just keep it moving. But inside I, I hadn't acknowledged, you know, this this loss and this resentment that was stemming from the loss. Feelings have a way of demanding that you feel them even when you're like, oh, you know what, it's all good. Give it even 10 years. The feeling will rear its head and demand you to feel it, especially with loss. It will demand that you mourn this loss. And I think for a greater part of this year and and still even now, I'm, I'm navigating that. Anyway, so, you know, when we started digging deeper into loss, I was like, hang on, I think I think there are more, you know, and my therapist is, (laughs) I feel like there are points where she just wants to roll her eyes like, "Ah, this is what I've been telling you. (laughs) Why don't you listen? You know, the next loss we went through was with surviving rape. That came with tons of losses. I was 18 when it happened and I spent the next years not living the 18 to 20 year old transition I had wished for. It wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. It wasn't as colorful. It wasn't as bright. There was a loss of a life I had hoped for. That's a loss in itself. Going through therapy specifically for surviving sexual violence, I realized the work that I had done with that therapist was in confronting this loss but the word loss hadn't been used. So now I'm attaching a name to the work I did in that space. So it was a loss of a life I had hoped for, loss of what I had hoped my first sexual encounter would be, loss of a relationship with my body, and even just the relationships that I got into, the loss of normalcy that I had hoped a relationship would have just because I'd survived this traumatic sexual experience and it's a loss this one is a loss that has moved into my life like if my life is a home it's that irritating relative or friend who says they're coming to visit for 2 days and they end up staying for 2 years oh, wait are there people like that <laughs> anyway this is what this feels like and and it's a loss that I have to confront almost every day honestly actually it's every day, you know, it's, it's a loss in itself. And and then it trickles into my intimate relationships, which is where we went to next with my therapist. And I was in a relationship when I got raped and, you know, we stayed together after the rape, but this guy ended up cheating on me, you know, and he was, he was one of those guys who was great on paper played and, a number of instruments, actually, not just one. Sports, top of his class, got a scholarship to like Harvard. And I remember when I got into that relationship, I always thought that if anyone was going to mess up the relationship, it would be me. Because I was like the wild card, <laughs> the artist, the, the weirdo. Definitely not getting a scholarship to go to no Harvard. <laughs> At least I play an instrument, just one. <laughs> You know, that's what I always thought. And I say this, by the way, having zero resentment towards him. He's somebody who years later we've spoken and even today we can speak. I mean, we're not awesome buddies, but like I have zero resentment towards him. What I hadn't processed though, because we always dismiss Heartbreak because it's so common. So we think like it's not an emotion that sits with you. But what I hadn't gone through is that since he cheated, maybe a year after I got raped, I kept blaming the rape for that. And that reinforced the notion that I was damaged in my head and I was like spoiled goods. That was a complex loss because it was not only a loss of a relationship, but it was a loss of my identity because. I had decided that how this relationship ended affirmed the fact that I was damaged goods. It's something I never really sat in. I never really moaned that relationship because before I knew it, I was in another one. <laughs> Oh my goodness, Adele. Anyway, I was in another one. I I moved on and I didn't acknowledge that loss. I didn't acknowledge that there was a loss of my ideal relationship going forward because I had decided I'm damaged goods. So any person who was with me after that, I thought they were with me out of pity and sympathy. And honestly, this is a thought I only really confronted this year. Yeah, I feel like this would repeat itself in all my subsequent relationships and in peeling through the loss of not getting the relationship I wanted. Because deep down, there was a specific relationship I wanted, but I thought I am damaged, I am broken, I am worthless, I am ugly, I am all of these negative things because of rape. I found that I was seeking relationships that were for that person, that broken person. You know, I was doing that on purpose because I didn't think I deserved the relationship I wanted. So I'd always settle either because, uh, you know, at least he's giving me attention or this is a safe option. And in recognizing this as a loss this year, I uncovered this. I started to be like, hang on. I do want a specific type of relationship and I am deserving of this type of relationship. I am not broken. I am not damaged. I am not spoiled goods. And I only got there by confronting this loss of my ideal relationship. I, I hope this makes sense. It's a bit complex because like one loss gives birth to another, gives birth to another. Another. And you kind of are working backwards, but hey, take it from me, it's some of the most fulfilling work that I've done this year. You know, in more sessions, we then confronted loss of friendships, you know? This was really big for me this year. Just realizing the friendships I had weren't necessarily the friendships I wanted. Not because the people are terrible or bad or whatever, I just had never realized that it's okay to walk away from situations when they aren't what I want or they aren't what connects with this version of me. Even when you realize that, oh, this is not a friendship or a relationship that I want and you walk away, especially when it's, when it's because of that, you don't, you don't see it as a loss. You're like, you know, I'm gaining me, I'm serving me, I'm doing what's good for me. But it is a loss. It's a loss of a relationship. It's a loss of a friendship. Like it or not, you had moments in that friendship that were great, that were awesome. There were moments that those people were there for you. There was a connection at a point. So you have to kind of acknowledge that loss before you can release it. I think I'm in the middle. Currently, I'm in the middle of the acknowledgement. I think I'm about maybe two chapters, (laughs) two chapters away from proper full release and just doing this loss work made me kind of dig deeper and so many other things came up loss of the childhood i always wanted mother father siblings in one roof i hadn't acknowledged that you know i had been focused so much especially when it comes to my dad on understanding him and just being like, okay, why does he behave like this? Why is he physically abusive to my mom, ABCD? And I hadn't acknowledged the loss of not having the father I wanted. I was so busy trying to make him the father I wanted. Even now, like he's dead. He died in 2007. And I find myself dancing between sanitizing his legacy because... I'm still trying to make him the dad I always wanted. I'll do things like, I'll remember good experiences him and I had and like exaggerate them because I don't want to confront the loss that comes with acknowledging that, hey, this guy just wasn't, he wasn't the dad I wanted. He was not a healthy father. And so that one we're still navigating because yeah, I'm I'm a bit conflicted because I saw good parts of him, but then I also saw the worst parts of him and just trying to reconcile that and navigate those emotions, which is very difficult. But anyway, so I, as I always do, when I'm going through something, I will read the hell out of it. I just thought it was quite interesting going through therapy that when it came to loss, I would only acknowledge losing my mom and so finding out all of these other losses i was like what we lose a lot of things in our lives and we don't we associate grief and loss with only like physical death of a close loved one and when i was reading i came across research by two psychiatrists i'm not even going to try and pronounce their surnames let's just call them thomas and richard And oh my god, I do have to I actually have to pronounce their surname because their research led to the Holmes and Rahe stress scale. Those are their surnames. It's now a really well-known scale. The details 43 life events that are most liable to create feelings of grief and can turn into illness and other health-related problems if you don't acknowledge them. So these are seen as losses, and they range from death of a spouse, divorce, marital separation, imprisonment, death of a close family member, and it's so interesting how death is spread Um, We kind of like compound death of people into one. But it's like death of a spouse, death of a parent, death of a close family member, death of a friend, death of a colleague. Those are classified very differently. Also on this 43 life events list, there's dismissal from work. So loss of a job. And even that is categorized because it could be you were fired. It could be you left. And then even retirement is seen as its own in this list, right? Then there's business readjustment, change in financial state, death of a close friend, you see what I said earlier, a child leaving home, trouble with your in-laws, change in working hours or conditions, change in residency, schools, church activities, social activities, sleeping habits, beginning or end of school, if your spouse or partner starts or stops work, like gaining a new family member, it's so crazy how this list has so many things that we kind of just like weave through and dismiss, but Some of these are actual losses and to know that they can create feelings of grief but we don't even confront them was wild to me because going through this list I always want to call my therapist and be like "Eh, I know we finished the lost chapter but (laughs) I'd like to I'd like to add I'd like to add a few more. I also did more digging and I found that Loss could also be loss of emotion. So loss of trust, loss of approval, loss of safety, loss of health, loss of control over your body. And then there was harmful habits. This one I found very interesting. So for example, let's say you went through a period in your life where you were addicted to something, be it, let's say, cigarettes, right? and Or maybe you had an unhealthy relationship with food or alcohol and then you fortunately work through it and get to a point where you clean up your life and you're no longer addicted to this particular thing the loss that you experience is the loss of those years of your life that you were addicted And so you are encouraged to mourn that part of your life, even when you learn to be healthier. And if you don't do that, you then are carrying with you these feelings of resentment, etc. Because you've not processed this as a loss. Another one I came across was loss of dreams and expectations. So um, some people dream of working a particular job, driving a particular car, or maybe you want to get married one day. You want to have kids. You know, whether your dreams are on a personal level or related to your career, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, sometimes you might not actualize those dreams and you have these high expectations of yourself. You need to view that as a loss. You need to mourn it and then you need to release If you don't, I don't know if you've experienced this, for example, marriage, I don't know why people see it as (laughs) a goal, but to each their own. Well, I do know because it's conditioning, especially for women, like it's, it's presented as this goal and this thing you have to achieve. And if you don't, by a certain age, there's something wrong with you. So that compounds to the loss you feel when, let's say you hit 40 and you're not married, you start projecting the resentment outwardly so you'll see people sending a lot of negative energy towards people who are married or those in relationships it manifests differently this resentment but i think it's because you have you haven't acknowledged this as a loss of a dream you had you know whatever you think about the dream whether you think it's unfounded or it's it's not a strong foundation etc it is a loss of a dream and an expectation you had of yourself, of your life. It has not come to pass. It is a loss. Another thing I found quite interesting was I was like, okay, so you identify all of these losses. They create feelings of grieving. How do you cope? How do you navigate? I didn't want to just come here and like pile the different types of losses and be like, okay, success. Enjoy the navigation. (laughs) to, to share a bit of understanding on how you can navigate them so there are two types of people well three types of people when it comes to navigating grief or grieving so there's intuitive grievers and they tend to display more emotion and cope with their loss by sharing their feelings with others so you'll find them trying to seek or will accept community support through support groups social media and they thrive really well in one-on-one therapy. When I read this one I was just like, sounds a lot like me. (laughs) And then these instrumental grievers, they are less likely to express emotion and they're more likely to direct their energy into activities. You'll find them coping by going to the gym, um, picking up a sport. They wouldn't talk about their emotions but they will You know, direct it into an activity. And then the third one is a mix of both. Intuitive and instrumental grievers. Most people are in the both category. But then depending on the loss, you will find that you're more of one. You know, which is why I can look back and say, yeah, I'm definitely an intuitive griever. So how do you cope? How do you how do you navigate your your loss now that you know which of the three types of grievers you are? <sighs> so there are three things that came to my mind that could help. And this is based on the very many articles I've been reading. <laughs> but of course, take this with a pinch of salt. Works for me, might not work for you. So the first point is to describe your loss, to name it. And I find that this has helped me with fears and it could help with loss. It's very important to name your loss. It's a huge step in accepting the reality of the loss and acknowledging it as a loss. Name the main loss, name the associated losses or the losses you're anticipating that are related to the primary core loss. And then after that, the second point is to explore what's different now after the loss, you know? Because after you go through a loss, you are different. What you need may be different. What's important to you may be different. So it's important to just kind of sit with these losses, yes, name them, but also to be like, who am I now post-loss? Once you know this, you know who you are now, it helps you identify, what do I need right now to help me? And what would I want to be in the future? And that brings me to the third point, which is envision your future life. Now that you've gone through this loss, you've named it, you've realized, I'm a very different person. Going into the future, what will you do differently? What is important to you now? And I feel like those three points could help you navigate the feelings of loss for each loss. Now, all of this work is not easy. I was talking to someone this past week about how intense my therapy this year has been. I have two therapists. One of them... Well, the one I've had the longest, we could do like monthly sessions or do like every second month. And then the new one for a huge part of this year, it was weekly. It was weekly confronting emotions that I've been running away from, weekly doing the work like what I've just described to you is work I've had to do on myself. It's meant homework. It's meant pausing my day-to-day business work and saying this afternoon, I'm doing my therapy homework. It's meant choosing to be alone, even in moments when all you want to do is rush into the arms of whatever distraction, be it a person or activity. It's intense. Oh my goodness. It's intense. It, it requires a crazy amount of belief in yourself. It requires you to show up for yourself in every session, and it's easy to do it in the session because you have your therapist there as like a cheerleader. But to show up for yourself every minute and every moment of the day, and there are some days where that is the hardest hardest thing to do. It requires you to show up for yourself even when nobody else is showing up for you. That part. It is so difficult, but it is so fulfilling and necessary. I've had moments now, like let's say in the last month or so, that if those moments happened to me last year, they would have broken me. But because of all of this intentional self-work I've done this year, I was able to not immediately react emotionally. I was able to be like, well, that sucks, but I'm still grounded. It's not destabilizing me. It's not undoing all of the work that I've done. And it's just a testament to... How fulfilling and how stable and grounded this self-work will will be for you. I wanted to end with something that came to my mind last week. The more, you know, I think I'm at that point where it's like, explore what's different now. You know what I was saying? Like, after this loss, you are different. So you take time to explore, eh, 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 who am I? I'm, I'm probably at that point. And it it came to me that who you had to become to survive isn't who you are, you know, and as you heal, you will find your true self. It'll be tacked behind the habits and values you develop to survive. And this realization can take even decades to present itself case in point for me took 10 years but better late than never you will then have to align everything within and without with your actual self and this is a very tricky space because not every bond or connection will survive this exercise and that will be hella painful but it's necessary and it's okay. You're also going to have to forgive yourself for decisions you made when you were in survival mode because some of those decisions betrayed your true self. You know, you made those decisions when you were experiencing those losses and you were adjusting so that you could survive the emotions that came with those losses. You're going to have to forgive yourself. I've also learned that this is a journey of grace. You hear me saying grace, 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 grace in every episode. It's because it's really necessary. You need to extend grace to yourself. You need to be able to start afresh every day, every hour. And sometimes it's every minute. You need to stay away from anyone or anything that revives your survival identity. And then as one of my therapists always says, you don't have to explain your journey to anyone. You don't have to explain yourself as you're on this healing journey. Don't don't get sidetracked. You do not have to explain this journey to anyone, and you're doing it for you. I really hope that helps you begin processing the various losses. You've experienced and even helps you acknowledge the ones you never saw to be losses like me. But just just be graceful. Just be graceful with yourself. Okay, I want you to meet Bianca and Bella. All right. So rewind to the beginning of this story. So I've spoken about this on some episodes in the past. About the PISCA fund. The PISCA fund is a fund by the French Embassy in Kenya and it's specifically for Kenyan organizations. I happened to sit in the committee for two cycles deciding which organizations would get these funds. And it was quite a rigorous process and very enlightening because they were applicants from Turkana, Narok, Machakos, Kisumu, Nyeri, Thika, Nairobi. Um, so many different parts of I was going to say Kisumu but I, I had already said it so many different parts of Kenya and there were organizations that were so deserving with such amazing programs already in existence and programs that they wanted to use the funds to launch and I remember every time I sat in the Piska committee I would feel so hopeful for my country sometimes it's very easy to just lack hope because you see our different leaders and politicians doing such hectic nonsense but I remember every time I would leave our PISCA committee seatings I would just be like wow there are some amazing people doing amazing work and the theme for both of my sittings and I I think is a theme for most of the yearly PISCA fund grants that get given out is programs that empower Kenyan women and girls. And so one of the beneficiaries of the Pisca Fund, who I got to learn about while sitting in this committee, is the organization called Enable. What they do is connect the blind and low vision students to the rest of the world and help them develop modern day skills. So Enable established the first assistive technology lab And they did this at the Thaker Primary School for the Blind. The first time they did it, they enrolled 100 students. And they taught these students who were blind or low vision basic computer skills on computers that are everyday computers. Because what they recognize is once these students leave the school and they get into the harsh environment of the world, they may not have access to special computers. Even if you think about it, if you're listening now and you are somebody with full vision, if you've worked in any office, have you ever seen an assistive computer? Or even a computer with a program that will help somebody who's low vision or blind i've worked in offices for 10 years never once never once have i seen that so this program is so important it helps the assimilation process for these students to be much easier and so you know they are taught basic computer skills and they realized when they did that immediately the kids were able to utilize various applications like sending emails reading online newspapers going on YouTube. Even just for entertainment. Not only like, oh, doing research. Just for entertainment to search the songs they love. And so far, Enable has gotten to the point where they have eight assistive technology computer labs in six special schools for the blind. They have been able to enroll 12,000 blind and visually impaired students and they also enroll their teachers as well. So I was really taken by Enable's story also because in being an active citizen, I realized I hadn't lent my voice to those who are otherwise abled. And so I was like, okay, I want to learn more about Enable. The French embassy were like, no probs. Let's take a trip to Thika. And so that's what we did. We went to Thika to see the work that they're doing, and that's when I met two 12-year-old best friends who captured my heart. I wish there was a way you could see the huge smiles Bianca and Bella have, and I just felt immediately drawn to these two young girls. I can't explain I- I can't explain it. I mean, I do know I love working with, now as I grow older, I really love working with kids. But this was like, a, I don't know, it was a different type of connection. And I managed to capture a bit about their friendship and their life and the special messages they have for you. So listen to this. A Hundred African Stories Powered by Piska, a fund by the French Embassy in Kenya set up specifically to support Kenyan civil society organizations.
1: My name is Bianca. I'm from Migori County. I'm 12 years old. When I was young, I used to go to a day school. In 2014, I came to this school and I started my study at nursery. Then, 2016, I came to class 1. That's where I started using computer. We have a lesson computer, two lessons per week. In that two lessons we go and learn and sometimes write some notes. When I reach class two, I was able to math flash in a computer or a laptop. And then when I reach class six, I was better. Mm, our teacher told us to write a national anthem, the first stanza. Mm-hmm. I and my, my friend Bella wrote the best. And we were chosen then in last year, the 13th December. We were chosen to celebrate with other schools in Disability Days because it was my first time to be in a boarding school. I cry a lot because I missed my parents and my siblings. My parents take care of me because I'm. Um, An albino. My parents take care of me. They don't want me to do a lot of work. Even my siblings too, loves me. They enjoy with me. We play with each other. But no fighting. Yeah. (laughs) When I was three years old, we got to the hospital. When I got there, I was told not to nini. Don't to bathe with some soaps and I'll bathe with some. And using some zoe to supply on my body. Then... At there, I was given a book that was written albino. I was not able to read it, but now, when I found it in my parents' bedroom, I was able to read it when I was class five. That's why I knew that I am an, an albino. I looked different. I, sometimes I, I sat down and asked myself some questions. I said to myself, I'm beautiful and wonderfully made by God, mm-hmm. but I'm different with others, but not in in mind only skin other things we are this sa- i am the same with others some of my s- schoolmates are the same color with me so i'm f- i'm feeling confident i'm feeling confident my first friend is called janet
2: mm-hmm.
1: i met her when we are nursery mm-hmm. she came from tanzania she was my first friend i usually stay with her every time in class mm-hmm. she was my desk Bella came to this school 2016 when I was in class Mm 1 and I was the first friend of her. I'm a short sighted. I can see things which are closer like in our class we have blackboards. When I stay at back, I can't see well what the teacher is writing on the blackboard. When I sit on front, I see well what the teacher is writing on the blackboard. So I'm a short sighted. I didn't, I did not know what are those. I thought they are only TV. I tried to press those keys, asking my teachers, what are these? But they explain us very well, what are those? They said that that was a computer, and they taught us how to use them, the keyboard and the computer also. Hmm. The first thing, I saw that this this is a keyboard, and that is a computer and they are separated. I didn't notice that they are connected with wire. I was shocked to see. I'm writing with a keyboard but it is showing me on the screen. My first time I googled it was when I was at home. That time in school I have already been taught by my teachers how to google and my first thing to google was super jojo. I googled about some people's stories, like Nadia, a famous singer in Kenya. When I grow up, I want to be a journalist. And I must buy a computer. I will buy. On those skills, I will use them until when I will be, become old and older. The business I want to start is farming. I want to keep livestock. The livestock I want to keep, not more, only poultry. First, what I will do, I'll have to buy maybe two or five poultries like chicken, goose, and duck. After buying them, I'll buy an incubator to keep their eggs safe and, they, and hatch fast. Yes, then after that, I'll use online to sell my goods. I want to tell other people who are albinos that they should be confident and not fear. When people say them about bad things, ignore them. Say by themselves, I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. I'm only different from skin, but in mind we are the same. Some people fear when they maybe touch an a person who is a albino. They say that this is a mzungu or a Chinese. I want to tell them that those are not like animals. They are people like them. I'm interested with computer, especially Chromebook. Mm-hmm. I wish. It was mine. I will be using it
2: every time, every single time. My name is Bella Eboso. I am 12 years old. I come from Vihiga County in Western Region of Kenya. My parents first told me that because I'm a visually impaired person, I should not do any work. But later, they 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 came to know that I am like other children mm-hmm. and i can do all things like other children who are sighted uh, we used to play another game we, which we used to call the game Brikicho. it's a game mm-hmm. whereby somebody is told to uh, to close his uh, his or her eyes mm-hmm. and start looking for others at my childhood mm-hmm. i ne- i never knew that i was visually impaired but i knew myself mm-hmm. when i was I was in nursery, whereby the school that I was taken, uh, I was taken to, I was taught by the different teacher who was teaching others. That's why I, I I knew that I was a blind person. I was feeling idle because because others are being taught by i being been taught in class but I I was I, I was isolated in another room where I was taught by another teacher because uh, in that school there were children with different disabilities so they never told me something that hurts me by this time me I never I, I never feel uh, sad but at the past I was feeling sad because I was I was asking myself why, why am I blind and others are sighted? But when I came in this school and found that others are like me, now I'm feeling confident and I have self-esteem. My um, first day I came to this school, uh, when my mother told me that uh, she was going, I started crying because I was wondering, how can I stay without my parents? Am I being taken in jail or where am I? Where, where am I? But later I became familiar to this school And even when I came here, I feel very happy. The day I came to this school, the first friend I met was Bianca. She helped me to know the surroundings of this area. She she showed me the dining and how the the routine of this school. I have two sisters and one brother. Uh, My siblings made me feel very confident and feel that I am fearfully and wonderfully made because... They made, me, they made me like a special person because they, they don't want to see me doing something or washing utensils. They just want me to, to sit down. They do everything for me. Uh, my first time to, to see the computers, I was thinking, what are these? Because it was my first time to see the computers. But later, the teachers come and explained us what's a computer. They taught us the keys of a computer the parts of a computer and and the function of the parts i was interested with a with a monitor because Mm -hmm. first i i i thought that it was let's say a tv because i was wondering and i was pressing the keyboard but the sound i was hearing back to the monitor so I was wondering where is this sounding coming from Mm -hmm. but later I came to understand Uh, the computer I use it for for researching and for typing and for doing math flash you know in this school our teachers are good so I can even store uh, store something that Let's say the teacher have taught me something and I don't want to forget it mm-hmm. and in braille papers you can write it and it can get lost. So when I go to the computer and ask for permission, I say I store that thing there. Uh, the other day when I when I will want to know the when I want to revise for an exam, I went there and the teacher gave me permission and I search the things that I stole. my first time to come to the computer I, I searched uh, songs because mm-hmm. you know in class 1 other people came to computer and search songs so I was wondering which day will I know how these people search their songs and even me I will search one so I like many gospel or the ones for Rwanda I would like to create a business to have a business and my business is a fruit vendor a fruit vendor is a person who sells fruit so my fruits i would like to sell them through email uh, through email address yes i can also make fruit juice and sell to people i would like to tell people who are visually impaired to be confident because they are visually impaired in eyes but in mind they are like other peoples and they can think more than the people who are sighted. So they should be confident and feel free because they are created in the image of God. Some things that are making me happy is that I am in school. I'm getting knowledge from my teachers. My teachers are teaching me well and I'm seeing the people who are like me and I'm very happy because when I was at home, I thought that I was the only person who cannot see in the world. So I am very happy. A
0: hundred African stories. The French embassy in Kenya has so far funded over 119 programs with over 3.2 million euros. For more information on the PISCA Fund and how you can benefit from this support, visit ke.ambafrance.org forward slash development corporation. I'm so glad that I could share Bianca and Bella with you. Their energy was so infectious. We hang out for so much longer after that recording. It was it was so interesting to learn more of what Enable is doing and to even learn about the challenges. So I sat with the head teacher of the school a bit afterwards and she tell me how even just getting canes, you know, the walking canes for the students is difficult. She shared that the government came and dropped 10 laptops a couple of years ago. They didn't care what softwares needed to be on the laptops to cater for low visioned or blind students. Yet this is a school for the blind. They didn't check if 10 laptops are enough for the whole student population. They're Over 300 students in the school, so 10 laptops is not. They didn't check if the teachers are trained. So just understanding the gaps, I was like, oh my goodness. If you're an active citizen and you're speaking of issues that are affecting not only the community you belong to, but like communities in general, marginalized and vulnerable communities, it's important to know these things. So that if you're ever in a room where the people who are meant to be held accountable for this are there, You can actually hold them accountable. It was a very interesting trip to Thika. Funny enough, it was my first time in Thika, even though it's not that far. I don't know. I don't know why. But listen, this is a call out for you, especially if you have a Kenyan organization or you work with a Kenyan organization, Kenyan organization, okay, has to be Kenyan because we are trying to uplift our own, and your organizations works with programs that will benefit women and girls, please apply for the Pisgah Fund. I've put a link in the show notes to the page that tells you more about what the Pisgah Fund is about, the themes, etc. And we actually gave the French Embassy feedback on the Pisca Fund. One being that it's very difficult for young, small, youth-led organizations to get access to funding. Whenever you try and apply for funding, they're just like, have you been around for five or more years? Have you handled, you know, funding worth this number of millions of dollars? And it's it locks out so many brilliant youth-led organizations. So they have worked on that feedback and designed the PISCA Fund in a way that there is a bit of it that goes to younger youth-led organizations and a bit of it that goes to more established organizations but all in all the organizations have to be kenyan so you don't need to be an old legacy organization to get access to this fans please click the link that directs you to the pisca fan page to learn more it's in the show notes another thing you need to remember is that this podcast plays on trace radio in kenya trace fm in kenya all you have to do is go to traceradio.co.ke. You can catch us there every Monday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. and 11 p.m. And every Friday at 1 p.m. If you want to share a story on this podcast, all you have to do is fill out the storyteller form. A link to it is in the show notes and we will get back to you. You know, and you sing when I'm happy. I'm just so happy to have finally shared this lost episode with you. I've really wanted to do it, but I've wanted to do it well. And so I hope all the things shared kind of help you. I hope the Pisca Fund is a resource that helps you if you've started your own organization. So yeah, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed making it for you. And going forth in the week, just remember to extend grace to yourself, you know, and work through those losses. That's it for this episode of Legally Clueless. You can share this podcast with your friends. You can keep it for yourself. I'm not judging. Just make sure you're here next week for the next episode.